0: Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms, and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonas and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, just visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGoesChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience. And I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, it's Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories for the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. It is a good day here. Um, You know, over here where I'm at, it's going to be sundown in about, oh, maybe an hour, an hour and a half. So you all know that because of my, the free range chickens, all my roosters start going crazy. But everybody that's been here before knows that there's always weird noises going on. In the background and the same thing with the exotic birds come sundown, everybody decides that they gotta do their last hurrah. So there we go. Uh, but otherwise, everything here very hot, very hot. As you all know, I'm in North Florida and I was in South Florida most of my life, which was subtropical, but wow, over here it is ha ha hot. Hot. But again, let's move on to more interesting stuff. Let me talk to you about my sponsor. It's planned to stay safe. And they've got a lot of neat gadgets, um, well-priced. This is, like I said, this is not really high-end equipment, like, oh, I want to, you know, cover my entire house. This is alarms, let's say a travel alarm, let's say something you want to hang on your doorknob when you go to your hotel room, lets you know if that door is ever opened. Uh, Same thing, um, basic uh, video cameras, if you want to take, let's say, there, They've also got those diversion safes, the small ones that look like either uh, some type of they've got different ones. They've got ones that look like soda cans and things like this, something you've got valuables or some amount of money and you just don't want to leave it out. You know, there's at least a delay. It's a good tactic. They've got a lot of different things like that of that nature uh, to basically just uh, to help uh, the regular Joe, you know, keep 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 his or her things safe, whether you're at home or you're traveling. They've also got a lot of a great line of women's self-defense products. Okay, same thing. You know, uh, maybe you work in a certain place where you gotta you know walk to your you know walk to your to your vehicle by yourself or after hours jogging. Same thing, um, a campus, any of those places where you might need a little bit of extra help of protection. Make sure to check them out. It's PlanToStaySafe.com. PlanToStaySafe.com. All right. Now that we got that out of the way let me talk to you about today's guest, this gentleman. This is the first time he's been here on Stories of the Supernatural, and his name is John Russell. And he has been a professional psychic for 50 years. Wow, 50 years. He is a psychic, a psychic reader, a medium, a certified tarot master, as in T-A-R-O-T, a paranormal investigator and now published author. Internationally known, he has provided psychic readings for clients in over 40 countries uh, he's been for 15 years. He's been a popular featured guest heard worldwide on many radio sh- shows and podcasts, including Coast to Coast with George Nuri, The Unexplained with Howard Hughes in the UK, Beyond Reality with J.B. Johnson, The Leak Project with Rex Bear, Fake Magazine Radio with Hat Cop Cat Hobson, Beyond the Darkness with Dave Schrader of TV's The Holzer Files, The Singularity Lab with Michael Madalouni, and many more. He also filmed a TV pilot for the History Channel, in which he psychically explored the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln. we got to ask him about that. Uh, Thanks to a visit from a ghost, John became aware of his psychic abilities when he was about six years old. By around age 12, he was conducting his own paranormal investigations and research. He began to give readings to friends and family in his early teens, and by the age of 18, he was reading professionally. In September of 2020, John released his first book, Writing with Ghost Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead, which has become an award-winning multi-category bestseller, winning a silver award from the Nonfiction Authors Association, as well as a bronze medal from the Reader's Favorite International Book Awards contest. In February of 2021, John released a second book, A Knock in the Attic, which has also become an award-winning multi-category bestseller, winning a gold award from the Nonfiction Authors Association. John continues to provide psychic readings for his worldwide clientele, conducts paranormal research and investigations, is heard worldwide as a featured guest on podcasts and radio, and is currently working on his third book with a projected release date of 2022. Help me welcome him. How are you doing today, John?
1: Uh Marlene, it's great to be here. I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on the show, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: No, on the contrary, it is my pleasure. Fifty Thank years! You. Wow, I love it. Fifty, you years know, you know <laughs> a long you know why time. I, well, you know why? I tell I say that. Because nowadays, I tell everybody, whatever, whether you're a psychic or anything else, as a matter of fact, a carpenter, whatever, paranormal investigator, you can read books, you can watch TV shows, you can do everything. But field work, when I say field work, I mean practical experience. Exactly. Nothing replaces that. There's no shortcut for that. That's right. So when you've actually done that for that length of time, um, there's a, how how do I want to say, you know, little surprises anybody that's done any type of work for that length of time, mm-hmm. you know, as far as, and I imagine in the case of a psychic, it's interpretation or maybe somebody that's difficult to read, God knows, there must be a million things that could go like, you know, unusual in circumstances like that. But you said in the bio that you had your first experience when you were six years old, what happened?
1: Yeah, I was about, actually I was about five when it started.
0: Okay. And
1: uh, getting closer to six when I discovered the psychic gift. But when I was five, uh, I was lying in my bedroom. I was sound asleep in my bed. And uh, my parents had left a nightlight on in the hallway down the hall so I could see if I need to get up at night or whatever. And uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I wake up totally wide awake. No grogginess. Uh, no drowsiness. I'm just suddenly completely wide awake. And I thought, well, that's really odd, and I couldn't figure it out. And I thought, well, maybe there was a noise outside I heard or something that that woke me up, disturbed my sleep. So I laid there a little bit and listened; didn't hear anything. And uh, I thought, well, this is this is really strange. And I raised up on my elbows and just kind of looked around my bedroom. And my bedroom door was open, and down the hallway, peering around one of the doorways in the hall was this elderly black gentleman staring around the door at me. And I screamed bloody murder because I presumed an intruder had entered the home. I'm a young kid, and I presumed we had a break in. And when I screamed, he walked around the doorway into the hall, started walking down the hallway toward my bedroom. And he was every bit as solid as you or I.
0: I was about to ask you. He must have appeared very solid then.
1: He was absolutely as solid as you or I. He wasn't translucent, wasn't transparent. It was mm-hmm. just like you or me being there in the flesh, walking down the hallway, and I knew okay. he was elderly because he had close cropped white hair and he had a white mustache, and I can describe the clothes he had on. I remember those he had on: a red flannel shirt, and he had on khaki pants, black uh, shoes, and a black belt. And as he got okay. close, so in other he- words,
0: this this boy, you you really got him. You got everything. You just like scan that. But you know what? I've heard that when people get really scared, sometimes they do do that. They take notice of all the details.
1: And I screamed bloody murder again. The closer he got my parents came running and that's when he began to become translucent and then transparent and then disappeared. And uh, I'm, I'm still screaming and crying. I said, somebody's in the house, even though I've just seen him disappear. And so my mom's holding me and trying to console me and they're telling me, Oh, it's just a bad dream. You watch something on TV and had a bad dream. And my fright was so real and so convincing that my father actually went through the house, looked under all the beds, looked in all the closets, sure. checked all the doors and windows to make sure there was nobody in the house. And of course there was no one there in the flesh. So I realized that I hadn't seen a ghost and, um, uh, I was terrified for a long time. It was hard for me to go back to sleep because I was like, why did he come in the first place? Uh, what does he want? Is he going to come back again? Uh, what's he going to ask me to do? Is he going to talk to me? Is he going to want me to do something scary? So I was terrified for a long time. And I spent probably a few weeks kind of looking over my shoulder all the time, wondering when this guy was going to come back again.
0: No siblings
1: siblings along the way, And I wouldn't have been able to describe it this way as a child, uh, if you ask me, but I recognized it internally. And I recognized that he had come to open up this portal to these paranormal experiences that I began to have. And these were uh, paranormal paranormal phenomena, manifestations that occurred on the physical realm and a lot Mm -hmm. of times were witnessed by other people as well. And so it was kind of a way to put two and two together that, oh, okay, this guy came to open that portal. I didn't know why, but I had the the suspicion that somehow these events were important and it was going to be important for me for the rest of my life and important for the people that I would come in contact with. And shortly after that, when I was getting close to six, um, I was out in the backyard playing with a toy. And this car pulled in the driveway, and I didn't recognize the people. So I I ran in the house to get my mom and dad. And I said, there's some people in the driveway. I don't know who they are. And they said, okay, we'll come out and look. So they walked out the back door, and they said, oh, these are friends of ours. And I'd never met them. I didn't know who they were. So I said, oh, okay. So the, the people got out of the car, and they were standing there on the sidewalk just chatting with my mom and dad before they went in the house. And I was goofing around with my toy. And I walked over in the middle of them and just kind of looked up at them, and I said, You people have just been on vacation. And I said, you took that car, you drove that car that's in the driveway, and you took two kids with you. You have two kids. They're not with you today, but you had two kids you took with you on this vacation. And you stayed at this hotel. It was painted this color. It was two-story, or three-story or whatever. And it looked like this in the front. There were trees that looked like this spaced evenly in the front. And the swimming pool area looked like this. Oh my god. And they were it freaking must have been out. Been. and I'll never forget this lady looked at me like I had cobras growing out of my ears. I mean, she was literally, her <laughs> <jaw> was <laughs> gay, her eyes were bugging out, staring at me. And she said, How the hell could he possibly know that? Um,
0: and my uh, mother
1: kind of, you know, flustered, but oh, you know, kids in their imagination. She goes, yeah. kids in their imagination. No, how the hell could he possibly know that? She said, that's what we came to tell you about the vacation that we just took. And we drove that car. We took our two kids. The hotel we stayed in looked exactly like John described. How the hell is that possible? How the hell could he possibly know that? And my parents were like, go play John. I was like, okay, nice to meet you folks. And I guess I scared them to death because I never came to visit my parents again and uh, that's when i discovered that another component of this visitation was not only the the paranormal experiences but then i became aware that i had this psychic gift and i could tell where people had been i could read their thoughts and emotions and i learned that i could accurately predict their futures and that's when that started
0: let me ask you that old man the first one that you saw did you ever see him again
1: I have not and I've always okay. wanted to but I kind of have the feeling that he's out there somewhere on the periphery keeping an eye out you know okay. kind of watching over me and uh, I have to add also that that was the only time in my life with any paranormal experience that I was ever scared I okay. have never been frightened again I've been startled uh, but nothing has ever has ever frightened me again and I've had over a thousand way over a thousand Uh, paranormal manifestations a lot of times other people have witnessed them we've filmed them we've photographed them we've recorded them on audio and so on and so forth and uh, that's been the only time i've ever been afraid
0: okay did you ever have because i've heard of children who have that ability where all of a sudden uh they start getting all these uh visions of people that are passed on because they just don't they can't turn it off they still don't know how to manage it Did that happen to you
1: well, it, yeah, it, it all started coming and there was no shutting it off. And so what I did was learn to adapt to it and learn what to do with it. And I, I, at a very young age, I, I thought to myself, you know, this is important. And I don't understand it completely, but I know it's important. So I have to figure out what to do with this. And by the age of 11, I was always a voracious reader and I had very good reading comprehension and by the age of 11, I was reading everything I could get my hands on on religion, psychology, parapsychology, paranormal realm, the psychic realm, and trying to make sense of, out of everything, trying to understand how to get better with my gift, because it was important to me. It was like I didn't just take it for granted So say, OK, that's it. It was I had this feeling. It was like, OK, let's see how far we can take this. Let's see how much more accurate right. I can be. Let's see how much more. Uh, accurate I can be with my insights, with my predictions, with my understanding of the spiritual realm. So I began all this study, and then I also uh, at a very young age, I had this pretty strong moral and ethical compass, and I began to observe that people in mainstream religion and in the supernatural community as well uh, didn't always practice what they preached a lot of people were very dishonest A lot of Mm -hmm. people were cheats. A lot of people were liars and philanderers and on and on. So I began to learn that uh, there was a lot of duplicity and a lot of of fakery in the spiritual realm. And that upset me. And so I wanted to avoid that and I wanted to call it out. And I also learned that there were a lot of uh, adherence to dogma and tradition and ritual that didn't work. And so it was this constant striving to find out what worked, what didn't. If it didn't work, get rid of it, throw it away, keep moving right. forward, keep pressing forward, keep learning. And so that's, that's been my credo my entire life. And uh, I've, I've been a professional for 50 years, and right. I'm still working on learning as much as I can, uh, expanding my gift even more if that's possible, and, uh, and, and trying to make sense out of this. In a practical way, not only for myself but for my clients.
0: Sure, and it sounds—it's almost like what the way I see it. You, you know, you—you know—you end up being a student for life, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's a student exactly. that you, no matter how long or how old you are, there's always more to learn. You know, there that is. person you that never, says I know it all—it's like no. yeah.
1: you never master anything. You no, never master, master anything, anything. and yeah. there's always room for learning, always room for expansion. And uh, that was one of the things that disturbed me. Uh, when I was growing up and still does was the people that were like, I know exactly how this is or how this yeah. works or what it's like on the other side of this. And I was like, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not right. in yeah,
0: the, the, the absolutes. Yeah. That they know yeah. everything. Yeah. So you said that you started by the time you're 18 here, you're doing professionally. How did your family handle that? Your parents, were they okay with it or what did they say about that?
1: Yeah. My, my mom had, um, on my mother's side, uh, we had, uh, a long history of okay. uh, experience with the paranormal, and a few people had psychic experiences. Nothing like mine, but enough to kind of give a uh, a lineage there. So everybody, including my mother on my mother's side, were believers and explored the paranormal realm, had experiences with the paranormal realm. So I was encouraged. Okay. Uh, my dad was uh, a, what I call a closet believer, and I think it the paranormal actually scared the life out of him because oh, he was uh, he was a rancher and then he owned a bar and he was his own bouncer. He was a really tough
0: oh, boy. Yeah.
1: So he wasn't afraid of a fist fight, but the paranormal manipulated him at its whim okay. and he couldn't control it. Um, he couldn't lay his hands on it. <laughs> he couldn't, yeah. couldn't fight it, couldn't get a hold of it. So it scared him. And, uh, and he tried to ignore it as much as he could. But uh, the paranormal experiences that I was having were so abundant that uh, the manifestations so abundant that uh, he was, you know, a witness to him a lot of the time that would happen to him as well. And he couldn't ignore it, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't delve into it. He wouldn't investigate it or comment on it. He would just try and get away from it or, or flee sure. from it. So, but I, but he didn't discourage me. So I had a very encouraging atmosphere uh, in which to grow up and in which to exercise my gift.
0: Okay. And so, what happened? As here, you are, you're a young psychic, and you're learning right. along the way. Um, did you ever come across um, whether it was somebody seeking a reading or anything anything that was really disturbing that you're like, oh, I'm out of my depth here.
1: Yeah. Um, and I write about this in my second book. Uh, this was a uh, a wake up call, a life changing experience, a uh, faith shaking experience. I had had uh, I was pretty cavalier about things because I had these this tremendous amount of physical paranormal manifestations and. I had this really incredibly accurate psychic gift, and people loved to talk to me, loved to come to me, and they liked my readings. And I was always full of energy and full of life, and had a really good sense of humor, and and kind of took life, um, right. you know, kind of kind of in a cavalier manner, I guess. And so, the uh, there was this woman in town that had a daughter. And the whole town knew about this. The whole town came to know about this. And the daughter had a brain tumor. And uh, she had been to MD Anderson, the big cancer center there in Texas, and had uh, been back home. And the mother was asking everybody in town to pray. And so I had become aware of this. And uh, throughout the, the entire community, it was really funny because Usually, you get people in the religious community, the mainstream religious community, and the church, and they're at odds with what's going on the paranormal, the psychic, supernatural community. And it was really funny because this time, every single person in every mainstream church in town was all saying the same thing. They were all saying the same thing, that God had come to them in a vision and said that he was going to heal this girl, that there was going to be a miraculous healing and it was going to be so dramatic that it would spark revival in the town and maybe even the state of Texas and maybe even sweet nationwide because this was going to be so dramatic. And everybody was getting this vision. Everybody was saying the same thing. Everybody was in agreement. And then in the psychic, the paranormal community, people were saying, well, my guide came to me or guardian angel came to me or a vision came to me. And this girl is going to be healed. So Everybody was in accord on this. Everybody was saying this. So I became aware of that. And uh, the, the woman knew my mother and she asked my mother, she said, I understand John really, really has a, a gift and really has a, a contact with the, the spirit realm of God, whatever. Would he come and pray for my daughter and and just see what God tells him, see if he gets anything? She said, yeah, he'd be happy to. I'll ask him. Sure he will. So she asked me and I said, yeah, I'll be happy to. So I went over and I remember it was this, this beautiful, sunny day, blue skies, sunshine, and just, just a gorgeous day. And I went up to the house and um, I knocked on the door and the mother came to the door and um, she said, you know, come in. And it was like pitch black inside and the girl's brain tumor, I guess, affected her optic nerves and things, and it, mm-hmm. caused pressure and it caused pain. And so they would put up heavy blankets over the windows to block out as much light as they could uh, to, go, to try and keep the, the pain down. And they were about to, after I left, they were packing up to go back to Andy Anderson because the girl was in such horrific pain that they were going to see if there was anything they okay. could do for her. And um, I walked in. And as soon as I laid eyes on the girl, I heard this audible voice say, she's mine. She will be with me within two weeks time. And that was it. And the voice wasn't malevolent. It wasn't right. Uh, uh, wicked. It wasn't demonic. It was mm-hmm. just this matter of fact statement that she's mine. She'll be with me within two weeks time. And I was just, just gobsmacked. And uh, so I introduced myself to the girl and I prayed with her and uh, they were getting ready to, to go. And so I took my leave and the mother walked me to the door and she looked at me and she said, did God tell you anything? I mean, she was just desperate for any word of hope. or Oh, nothing.
0: this is boy. Go ahead with that. Because I imagine being in this position must be very difficult.
1: Yeah. And I was like, you know, just so young and so inexperienced and that type of thing. And I, I couldn't tell her, what the voice had told me. So I fell back on this cliche and I said, well, you know, God's ways are not our ways and we, we have to believe in the best and we have to have faith. And, and she cast her eyes down towards the floor. And I knew that, that I'd let her down and that she knew that I knew that I'd let her down and that I hadn't been able to give her anything, tell her anything of of hope or anything concrete And she said, okay, thank you, and closed the door. And I walked back out into this bright, sunny day, knowing what was on the other side of that door, and the voice that had spoken to me, and how powerless that I felt to help that family, and the fact that I didn't know enough, didn't understand, didn't have enough experience at the time to know what to say to her and how. And so that was just just absolutely life-changing and sure enough within two weeks time the girl was dead and people have asked me they said well you know was that the voice of god was that you know was it an angel was it this was it that and i don't know to this day right and so that That,
0: uh, being young but i can imagine at any age that pressure that you described where everybody's praying and everybody's like saying basically putting out their version at this yeah, girl is gonna get saved. It's She's gonna, gonna survive it. Thing. Yeah, and you're gonna come and raid right on the parade.
1: Yep, yeah. and to, I mean realize, it's a death of
0: life, but it's such a difficult position to put anybody yeah. in.
1: It turned it turned everything upside down for me, Marlene, and it made me realize uh, the seriousness of what I was yes. involved in and uh, the seriousness of people's emotions and things. So that began to change the way that I approach things, the way that I look at things, and the realization of this responsibility that I had toward my clients and toward the spiritual realm.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and I hate to say it uh, one time, this was God, maybe like 25 years ago, I Mm -hmm. I went for a tarot reading and this lady, I I would go on to see her on and off. You know, she, we became like not close friends, but she tells me she had done a tarot reading for a lady. Right, And within a few days, the, the, the lady that she had given the tarot reading for, her sister with her young nephew had a car accident and the nephew died, a boy. And this lady came back to her and said, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't things come up in my reading? As in I could have prevented it. And she, you know, she's telling me, she goes, I tried to tell her that some things cannot be changed. Right. There are some things. That if they don't, if I didn't tell you or because it didn't come up, she goes, it's because you couldn't, it wasn't meant for you or for that child to. Exactly,
1: exactly right.
0: Survive or avoid that accident.
1: Yeah, that's a good Um, point. There are some things that really cannot be changed. And since that time, I've learned through experience how to deal with people, how to counsel people, work with people better. And still with that, um, there are times like I'll hear from the other side and they'll say, uh, just gently suggest that this woman fly and be with her father mm-hmm. because he's going to die, you know, but don't tell her he's going to die. Just give him the, suggestion, Hey, you need to go visit your dad. And usually they kind of pick up on it and go, Oh, right. okay." and then sometimes right. the other side will tell me, tell them directly, Hey, you know, your, your mom's got six months to live or whatever, do do I whatever do. you can. And so the other side knows who can receive what and Mm -hmm. how they can receive it. Yes. Yes. With all of that, you know, you're saying that the lady came back and said, why didn't you tell me? Right. She she had done
0: like a couple of days later, this happened. And she came back to her. And uh, Maybe
1: maybe that information wasn't given to her in that reading, because I know one time I had a, a client for years and years and years and just wonderful lady and almost became a, a dear friend, really. And um, in the very last reading that I did for her, the other side just told me over and over to tell her repeatedly the things that you love the most, that you really love to do, your favorite foods, going to the movies, going out to eat, going to gardening or or whatever, the things that bring you the most joy do those repeatedly this month. Do them over and over again. Don't just go out to the movies once and say, okay, go you know, four or five, six times out to the movies, eat your favorite foods, do all this. And I thought it's strange, but I didn't get any inkling that mm-hmm. they were telling her, have the most fun you can this month because that's going to be the end of it. And at the end of that month, she died in a way that I found out. And like I said, the other side didn't tell me. That she was uh-huh. crossing over. They just said, you know, do these things that you enjoy so much. And the only inkling I got was they're just, you know, hey, quit quit stressing out so much over life and right, enjoy right. Life. do the things you enjoy. But the message they were giving her was because she was going to cross over. And the way that I found out she crossed over, her parents called me. And they okay. said, uh, they told me that she had died and they're, they're wrapping up loose ends and found my name and number and who was I. And I said, well, I was her, her spiritual counselor. And uh, she said, "Okay, well, we wanted to know that she had died, and she had died at the end of that month uh, that I had given her that reading, and that the other side had told me to tell her, you know, do all these things over and over and over that you enjoy, really, really live a full, rich life this month, and that's because the other side knew that she was going to cross over at the end of that month. So we don't always
0: right. Right. It's it's I guess it's differently. Number one, when the person is elderly, or when and or if they have some type of type of disease that it's inevitable that this is going to lead to their death, whether they're old or young or whatever. It's the, it's the one, the one that's unexpected or it's a young person or something like that or people. And then, you know, you go to the flip side of it, John, and I'm I'm sure you've heard of it. People that have that gut feeling like I shouldn't get on that plane. I shouldn't go down that road. I shouldn't uh, do this. And some people, listen and later on they find out wow I dodged that bullet and then others ignore it and then you never find out because let's 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 use that stereotypical the plane goes down Exactly. you know how do you know of all the people that were on that plane how many had either a dream or a get feeling about not getting on the plane ignored it it was yeah. like oh my imagination oh forget that I gotta get to wherever you know
1: exactly and
0: who's there to say unless they told somebody before left, you know, I got a weird feeling, but I'm going to go. And then,
1: yeah. And that's what I tell people, you know, we have to train ourselves to listen to that voice of guidance from our guardian angels, our guides, whatever you want to call them. And the way that we do that, you know, we're so plugged in that we can't listen. We can't hear, you know, we've got the TV on, we've got the cell phone going, we've got the earbuds in, we've got music. going, we've got this, we've got that, we've got the other thing. And, and we're so plugged in, we're so wired up, we're so full of noise that we can't hear. And so I tell somebody, everybody always asking, well, how do I hear from the other side? How do I hear my guardian angels? You unplug, you get quiet, you turn off the phone, you turn off the TV, you turn off the music, you sit in silence, and then you ask, speak to me, guide me, and then you stop and you listen and it may take you weeks of doing that before anything mm-hmm. comes to you, but you listen. And then once you hear that voice, that intuition, that, that nudge, that prompting, whatever it is, then you have to obey it. It doesn't do you any good if you don't obey it. Like you say, right. you may have got that warning. Don't get on this plane, but well, I'm going to go anyways. And then the plane crashes. So mm-hmm. once you get this word of warning, you have to listen to it. You have to obey it. It's just like during nine there were supervisors that were telling people, "Oh, it's okay. Everybody, go back to your desk. Go back to work." Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, "Are you kidding me?" If I've been there, I've been running for the nearest stairwell. It's like, fire
0: me! You know, fire yeah. me!
1: <laughs> people, when the stuff's hitting the fan, don't hang around to find out. Get the heck out of there. Let me tell
0: and you something. So I'm gonna, we have to listen. That's, to that's incredible. Yeah, when people like are like, yeah, that that they don't, um they, and I hate to say it, but you know. Within our civilized society, especially in a job location, you're, like, told to, like, obey your supervisor. Like, you don't want yeah. to – even under yeah. those extreme circumstances, we don't think of, like, okay, I'm going to run out of here. I don't yeah. care. what was the worst that's going to happen is they're going to fire me. I could say, hey, I was stressed out. But, you know, something right. like you hear an explosion in a building. But it's incredible how, how we're kind of trained to, like, not go against – uh, in an exactly. extreme situation like that, <laughs> no, you know what it is, and I hate to say it, we've lost in a lot of cases our desire for self-preservation. We have,
1: <laughs> we have. You're exactly we right. Have. And we, you know, we put our self-preservation in the hands of others.
0: Yes. So
1: that yes. they know what's best for us, and they don't. You know, most yes. of the time. And so it is up to us to uh, to work on our own self-preservation, and we have to do that even if it goes against the grain of everybody that's mm-hmm. around us, and they're doing something entirely different and trying to encourage us in that direction,
0: yes. and our
1: little voice inside is screaming, no, 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 get out of here, run, that's the voice yes. we have to listen to in spite of everything to the contrary.
0: Sure, sure, exactly, and that's the, and again, that's going on that intuition thing, sometimes, let's let's go down the, um, The hypothetical, you get that intuition, that flash, like, you know, that, that route I usually take to work. I'm not going to go for some reason. I just have this thing that don't go down that road. Exactly. Okay. Let's say you avoiding, you avoid this horrific crash. There's no way for you to ever know because you're the missing element. Right. Let's say in that, or where, where, things converge that maybe a really bad accident would have occurred since you're missing, but there's no way for you to ever find out, Hey, I was right. And some people have a really hard time without having that verification. Hey, yeah. I, you know, if I would have gone down that road, sometimes you do find out about accident, but just sometimes because of the fact that you're not there, you're the missing factor.
1: I agree. Happens. Yeah, I agree. And there are times then, again, like you say, that you do find out yes. that you dodged a bullet by listening to your intuition. That's happened to me mm-hmm. several times where uh, I've. I've been able to find out, uh, you know, minutes later or half an hour later or whatever. That oh my God, if I had gone against that voice and and went ahead and and went like I planned to, I would have been right in the middle of this thing. Sure. So sure. sometimes we do find that out. But
0: you do you do have that proof? Like whoa. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you: When you were doing readings for people, um, and I know some. Um, did you ever uh and, and I guess I'm asking for the people that sometimes how can I say it? They think that when you do psychic work, that sometimes they, they're not prepared to to handle maybe something that's dark. You understand what right. I'm saying? They they right. think it's all butterflies. Yeah. And they don't realize that uh there's a part of what's out there that if you don't know what you're doing per se or how to protect yourself, mm-hmm. in other words, you gotta know what you're doing. How did you handle that, John?
1: The um, the thing that I always did, the way that I always approached my readings and the way that I approached the, the paranormal realm uh, mm-hmm. in its entirety was through respect. And it was always approaching this with a reverence, with a, a, a solemnity, with respect, and trying not to get in over my head, trying not to get past okay. the point that I didn't know what I was doing and always asking for guidance and to be led and always doing that in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. And that's always stayed me instead. You know, they've the, the guys on the other side, I call my retinue over there, the guys.
0: Okay, let me they're, ask you they're, something because I've heard of that, that there's, there's psychics and mediums that have helpers on the other side that kind oh, of have yeah. their back. Do you have something like
1: that then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've got a ton of people over there on the other side. A lot of them have been with me since I was a kid.
0: Really? Okay. um,
1: That's, you know, you can rely on that guidance and you rely on the instruction that they give you. And as you learn and as you grow, uh, just like here in our physical life, we learn there are certain things that if you do, you're going to get your teeth knocked out, you know? Mm-hmm, sure, um, You don't go up and knock on Mike Tyson's door and insult him without paying yeah, like Tyson's
0: that guy in a plane.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's the same way on the other side. And okay. you learn to approach everything with respect, uh, with dignity and with, you know, taking seriously what you're doing and not being flippant and not making fun of things and not being silly Uh, with these Mm -hmm. powers, because these powers are incredibly powerful. Uh, And, you know, a lot of these beings can see way further down the road than we can Mm -hmm. and are able to incorporate those things into our lives in helpful ways if we approach that, you know, with respect and uh, with that understanding. So that was what I always did. I still strive to do that. And I'm I'm always on the case of the so-called paranormal investigators that... Uh, go someplace and start cussing out the ghosts oh and challenging them. God,
0: that kids. is like, oh, what are you and doing? Usually, yeah. they run like
1: little girls when they do. <laughs> 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 they do. So
0: you know
1: that's, that's not the way to approach the paranormal. That, that, realm, that, that's that's you
0: know? to see the, and, and the reason why I say this, I've been doing, I did well, I haven't done it for a while. Paranormal investigation since the nineties. Mm-hmm. I tell everybody, you know, you see, like you, like you said, that provocation or confrontation into what to them should be thin air. You don't know what you're provoking. Exactly. It might be thin air. It might be a human deceased person, a discarnate, or it might right. be something totally much worse, <laughs> which by the Again, way, well, might take our confrontation as an invite. That's to- exactly
1: right. And what people have to understand, Marlene, is that, you know, we, we're familiar with the concept of, okay, we die. Our spirit crosses over. We can hang around. Mm-hmm. We can manifest. We can do this, whatever. Uh, we're comfortable with the concept of, Uh, instances that replay in the environment over and over again. We can comprehend that. We can kind of wrap our minds around guardian angels or whatever. But what we also have to understand is that there are beings of various kinds in this invisible realm that sometimes manifest physically and may live on earth physically and, and a body, a physical body sometimes. And these beings were never human. They may not they're be not. angelic. They may not be a guide. Now, this is not to say that they're evil or malevolent. But or they're evil.
0: non-human. No, Their moral they're compass just, is not like ours.
1: They're just some other intelligence, some other type yes. of being. That's exactly right. They're not like us. Mm-hmm. They're, they have a different motivation, a different, uh, you know, means of, of living. But uh, it doesn't mean they're malevolent or that they're evil or whatever. No, it just no. means that, look... There's something else that we may not even comprehend or understand. And like Mm -hmm. you say, we have to approach that realm cautiously and with respect because these beings can exercise a lot of power and they can manifest that power on the physical realm and affect people, affect objects, affect things and so on and so forth.
0: Well, I want to give you for instance, and I think this is where a lot of investigators get in over their head. Uh, You know, you always hear about let's let's go with the devil thing or the demonic. You know, you the bargain. You know how the devil wants your soul. Right. What if we're talking a being non-human, not demonic, but doesn't want to do a bargain? They don't want to bargain. Let's say right. you confront it. It doesn't attachment. It doesn't. Right. There's no bargain. The moral compass of good and evil that we have that they, they don't know about it. Right. Hey, let's make a bargain. No, they're not interested in bargaining. Exactly. Okay. The exactly. world of problems that can descend, and and I'm talking about what you said originally about people that confront or provoke what they really don't know what they're engaging with, sometimes get into these situations with uh, an entity or being whatever you want to call it, that the normal, um, how can I say it, ways of handling it that sometimes you see on some of the shows are not exactly the way it's going to work. Exactly. Right. And and I'm glad you mentioned that there's a whole uh, array of beings in this, if you want to call it middle plane, or you know, whatever, you know, in between here and there,
1: right? I just say exactly. the other side. The
0: other side, okay, you know, yeah. uh, you know that between that don't don't exactly like what you described. They're not human. They they they're, they process things are not like us, right? You know, like right. well, if I do this, will you do that for me? Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It doesn't work. Exactly. I think that if people thought of that, sometimes they would be a little bit more cautious.
1: Yeah, and, and we when have to have that, that understanding stuff. that, you know, there are so many types of different intelligences out there mm-hmm. and so many types of, of beings out there, yes. and we have to approach each intelligence, each entity, each being mm-hmm. in its own way and with that due respect and with the understanding that, you know, I think we we have this concept that whatever these beings are on the other side, they're sitting there like little happy puppy dogs waiting <laughs> water, yeah. just wanting us to, Oh, give me this, give me that, do this for me, do that for mm-hmm. me, you know, and, and that's not the case at all. I mean, these are intelligent beings with their own will, their own purpose, their own volition. And mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the most insulting things you can do. I watch these shows for these so-called investigators. I'll go in, I'll yeah. have a REM pod there. And they'll Uh say, if there's a spirit here, activate the REM pod. The REM pod will go off and they go, oh, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Mm -hmm. Do it again. And it's like, you know, that they're not trained bears. You know, they're they're not dancing bears or trained monkeys. These are intelligent beings that have graced you Mm -hmm. by giving you a demonstration that they can communicate with you. And then you're, oh, do it again. Do it again. Do it
0: again. Right. Exactly. Because they're trying to get. Proof, you know whatever yeah
1: thank you for that who's here do you have a message to communicate whatever no instead you're doing the train monkey routine you know so yes. that's, that's another thing that uh, people err and uh and trying to interact with this realm
0: and um and people don't understand sometimes you could go to um a haunted location we could have both things you could have a ghost of a human being right and then behind that, in the in the in the background, you could have something that's non-human. Absolutely. Right?
1: Absolutely.
0: That sometimes yeah. kind of pushes, like, "Oh, okay, let them take the heat from all these weirdos running around until they get up and leave. Until one of them decides they're going to provoke whatever's there."
1: Right, um, right.
0: And one time I spoke to uh, this was another guest. At one time she did paranormal. This was many years ago, and something like that happened to her. She went to uh, an old historical home in her state. And it was one of those places that was kind of empty. It had been around for like the turn of the century, really old place. Right. And she says, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> she ended up confronting something, what she thought. And it was, and it was non-human and it took her a long time. It was a really bad experience for her yeah. uh, because of those circumstances, because she says, I, I didn't realize that there was other things besides your regular dead person absolutely you know, absolutely out there and these um,
1: things don't like to be slighted they don't like to be disrespected all really you can you do right. is just
0: like ignore them it's like, yeah like,
1: that's,
0: however let me ask you i'm going to ask you something and I'm, and I'm curious about this and i don't know if i'm sure you've seen the uh that show the dead files with amy allen sure. okay mm-hmm. and you know and i mean i think it's been running already for like 10 years for like a long time and um what do you think i know that in some cases at the end she tells people this can't, can't be solved. You got to move. Okay. Do you think that, 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 that ever does happen where there's places, locations that whatever occurred or whatever inhabits the land or the house is just cannot be fixed. It's like, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because the, um, the greatest error that I see in the paranormal community uh, Mm -hmm. and the religious community is that, a something that you consider to be disturbing, whether it is or not, but your interpretation of it is that Mm -hmm. it's disturbing. The misconception is that it can be exercised, cleansed, sent to the light. The portal can be closed or whatever. And I have never known any, uh, exorcism or cleansing or portal closing or whatever. I have never known any of that to ever be successful, ever. Um, we don't have the capability to exercise that power over these beings, nor do we have the power to close these portals and stop these things from happening. In every single case, and I've been privy to uh, a lot of uh, these types of things and with firsthand knowledge, And in every single case that I've known of this where someone has tried that remedy, whether it was a priest, a preacher, an exorcist, a rabbi, uh, a psychic that proclaimed they could send the person to the light or close the portal or whatever, it has never worked. And most times actually increases the activity, makes the activity worse. So my um, advice to people has always been when you find yourself in a situation where you're encountering encountering this supernatural activity. Um, First, don't misinterpret what's going on, because we have this knee-jerk default reaction we go to that if something supernatural happens, it's got to be satanic, malevolent, wicked, evil, or whatever. That's a misinterpretation. That's not the case. So first off, let's don't get all been out of shape and, oh, the demons are coming for me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's not the case. The second thing is that realize you're not going to exercise power over this entity or being or ghost or whoever it is, nor is anyone else. And the, the best thing to do is to communicate with this being, whoever it is, and ask why they're there and ask if there's something you can do for them, or something they want to do for you, or if there's some type of rapport that can be established. And a lot of times these beings will hang around for a while and then move on.
0: Right. Or, or I, I, I think that even I've heard people, I've told people, you know what, you'd be surprised. Sometimes ghosts or hauntings are people that really don't understand their debt. They kind of suspect it, but they're not really sure, and sometimes all you have to say is "You're dead," <laughs> you know, a yeah. few times. And I know it sounds like that can't be that simple. I go, yeah. but sometimes people miss memo of like you actually died. Yeah. You know,
1: well, I think I think if you're on the other side, you you know that, but you may not know exactly.
0: Well, sometimes many I think people many have, have a hard time, together, like, um,
1: yeah, what what exactly to do, how it all works, or whatever. But uh, I had a going back to uh, you know telling telling people to. Uh, To come to to terms with this, Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a lady that called me one time and she had seen uh, one of the quote unquote world famous psychics on TV saying that uh, if you wanted a ghost, ask for a ghost and you'd get a ghost. And she thought, well, that sounds like fun. So she asked for a ghost and she got a ghost. And so it scared the life out of her because it it was a literal physical thing that actually happened. She wasn't prepared for it. And she couldn't get rid of it, didn't know what to do, and so she moved. She physically moved, left the house, moved to another house in the the same city far away, and the ghost followed her. And um, it began to set off all the car alarms uh, up and down the street and the block where she lived.
0: Oh, boy. And
1: the neighbors called the cops on Because they said, this has never happened until she moved in. So somehow she must be responsible for this. She must be doing it somehow. So she said, the cops came out and were standing on my porch talking to me. And all the car alarms went off up and down the street. And they looked at each other and shook their heads and went, well, we don't know what's going on. But it's obviously not you. Goodbye. And so she said, what do I do? And I said, well, look, you asked, you invited this being to come into your life. And it did. And then you said, you know, it's like it's like going to the prom and looking at this gal and saying, hey, I want you to be my girlfriend. OK. Right. And then the next That's... time you see her is go away. I don't want you. You know, and I said, you've got to understand you invited this being. Here comes the being. Now you don't want the being. And then you move right. away and try and leave the being. And that incenses it. So it follows you and it starts setting off the Right. Park, right. kind of. You know, retribution is a kind of okay. You want to get rid of me, right?
0: Like, and and that that let me tell you something. I'm so glad you bring that up because I think a lot of people lately with those shows, the paranormal shows, they don't realize sometimes what they're inviting in. Like, oh, it's that's I, so exciting, and I was like, you hey, think you better think so, so hard about I that. I told her,
1: I said, look, I said, here's what you do. I said, talk to the spirit and say, look, I'm I'm sorry that I invited you and then disrespected you and tried to get rid of you. I was just a little frightened and, you know, let's get to know each other. Obviously, you're here. You want to stay around. You're going to stay around. So let's get to go and get to know each other and try not to scare me too much. Try not to make too many manifestations that freak me out. And you're welcome here in the home. Protect me, protect the home. And when I go out, if you don't come with me, if you stay here, watch after the home and keep it safe. I said, do that. And develop a relationship with this being that you've asked to be there, which can be very beneficial to you. And I said that should line things out. If it doesn't call me, and there's some other things we can do. But but that fixed it, that lined it out.
0: Really? But That's great. That's need to great. understand
1: that you're working with an intelligence. And some of these intelligence have a little bit more of uh, finer line of being insulted or disenfranchised did she others.
0: ever did she ever get to see? Um, She never saw it
1: physically, but it it manifested by, you know, aromas and sounds and things around the house that it would do and so on and so forth. Uh, So she finally came to peace with, okay, I asked for this companion. I got it. And now let's, let's have this relationship. And it it worked out really well.
0: When you wrote that book, writing with ghosts, angels, and what was the name? of What was the full title? Ghosts, angels,
1: and the spirits of the dead. And the
0: spirits of the dead. Right. How did that come about? Because that book sounds so interesting.
1: Oh, it's it's marvelous. Thanks. It's uh, my, uh, I had shot a uh, TV pilot for the History Channel, and uh, which unfortunately didn't go to air, but I became friends with my producer and we continued to work together and stayed friends and were trying to get uh, a show on the air with me. And okay. uh, he said, you know, write up just a, a little a short blog with just some snippets of some of these paranormal experiences you've had so that when we approach a producer, we can say here, go to John's blog, read some of these things. And so I said, okay. And about that time, I've been a biker since I was like 15. And uh, about that time I begin to have these, even for me, incredible, wonderful, bizarre paranormal experiences related to my motorcycle rides. And really? so I to put a few of those on the, uh, the blog And it dawned on me, it was like, you know, these are so dramatic and so neat, so amazing that instead of just putting snippets of these things up, I've got to expand these into the full experience of what happened, what I learned from it, what I can convey to others that they might learn and practice in their own lives as well. And then I have to collect these, put these together. And this has got to be a book. I've got to get this out there. This is the legacy that I'm going to leave. So that's how that book came about.
0: So basically it's all your experiences Excuse and what is it just, what would happen? Let's say what you would ride into, let's say a certain place and you would see things or they would come to you. What, what right. would happen as you know, yeah. what you went to different places?
1: Well, I would, I would, as I was writing, I would have paranormal experiences happen to me. I would go to places, paranormal experiences would occur and, uh, and really dramatic things would happen really dramatic manifestations. And uh, one of the neatest things And this this leads off the book. It's the lead chapter in the book. Uh, When I shot the pilot for the History Channel, I was psychically exploring the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that absolutely bothered me no end, I had this obsession with Lincoln's funeral hearse. And I asked everybody Mm -hmm. if they knew where the hearse was or who had it or what happened to it. And nobody did. And it just frustrated me no end for for no reason I can figure out. So uh, my wife and I had moved from New York to Florida and uh, I had bought the, the new motorcycle and uh, I had this, this strong, strong prompting to ride to Tallahassee, which is the state capital. And uh, I had scheduled myself a day off and uh, checked everything, got everything ready to go, hopped on the bike to go to Tallahassee. And on the way there, there was this, signed for this automotive museum and I had this overpowering urge to turn into the automotive museum. And I said, well, this doesn't make any sense because I had this urge to ride to Tallahassee. Now I'm being told to go into this automobile museum and I'm a bike guy. I appreciate cars. I've had hot rods, but I'm really a bike guy, but okay, whatever. So I get there and I go in and uh, across the room, the very first thing that I see is Lincoln's Funeral Hearse.
0: Oh, boy.
1: And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so somebody knew all those yeah. years, a thousand miles ago, somebody knew where the hearse was when I asked that, but it took moving uh-huh. to Florida and then this ride of several hundred miles to get to this place.
0: That's incredible.
1: to... You know, to discover where it was. So it was kind of like this answer to, OK, we're going to give you this answer that you wanted so long ago. OK. And in this really dramatic fashion. So uh, and when it you, saw it, really you saw let me ask
0: you, when you saw the Hearst and everything, that that they was like, OK, I saw it. Or did you get any impressions from it?
1: Uh I, I was just too gobsmacked to get any impressions.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Like, I must you must have been like this is not even for me, I mean this is
1: even crazy. for me, it was it was astounding. I was I was standing there with my jaw open, kind of looking around to see if the ghost of Lincoln was looking at me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I
0: was like, Sigh, and yeah.
1: uh, it, it was just so amazing uh to, to be in the presence of the funeral hearse after all that time and and you know, so far away. And this guy that has this automobile museum, he buys all these original things. Like that's the real hearse that drew Lincoln's body. And he's got like the original Batmobile and all these types of things. So he's the director of this stuff. And, uh, but for that, for me to be led to that hearse that way, it was just, just really phenomenal. Was it, was it here in the
0: state of Florida, that museum?
1: Uh, It's right outside of Tallahassee.
0: Really? Okay.
1: And I, okay. it's uh, I, it's I'm giving you the short version in the book it's, there's much more detail okay. uh, but uh, that that was one of the really phenomenal things that happened
0: when you did that thing for the president's assassination and you might not is there any truth that uh Wilkes Booth that that he didn't die that you know you know there's a uh, there's well, a theory I'm, I'm out there sure that he died
1: he- yeah I, I feel sure that he died and he
0: died back then. Yeah. Because you know that they have that theory that he survived and that was somebody else that they pulled out from the burning building and he died an older man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm aware of the theory, but I I don't believe it because I felt I was on the site where they shot him, where he died. Where he died. Okay. And I definitely felt that he, that he met his demise there.
0: Okay. Okay. Because, you know, that's one of those things when I read it the first time, I was like, no. And then I read, I was like, well you know, uh, you know, anything is possible. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, Mary Surratt, she's, she's a well-known ghost, you know, that, uh, that she got hung and she kind of,
1: you know, some people argue she was involved and
0: other people say, no, she kind of was like a, she really didn't realize what was going to be involved or that she was like, you know, talk about the wrong place, wrong time, being with the wrong people. And, uh, yeah, we yeah.
1: went to all those places. It was really amazing. We went to the Sirot House. We went to the Mud House. We went to uh, uh, the Ford's Theater. We went to the um, house across the street. I can't think of the name of it right now where uh, Lincoln was carried when he was shot and where he died mm-hmm. the next morning. And uh, we were in all of those places. And I write about that and some length in, in the second book, Knock in the Attic. And uh, it was just a phenomenal, amazing experience to stand in those historic places sure. and going to get all this psychic input and to see all these things related to that. Plus some things that, uh, that they didn't even know as common knowledge that I picked up psychically that through extensive research, we were able to prove that my psychic insights were correct down the road.
0: That's that's yeah. There's a lot of uh, of things that now I think that people are realizing that can be verified. Yeah. You know, Uh, Let me ask you, as a biker, do you ever have bikers come up to you in the spirit world because you're a biker, like that affinity?
1: Um, I think bikers in general kind of have this bleed for connection with the other side. And bikers in general seem to be pretty open, pretty receptive uh, to that type of thing. And uh, I, I had this, I'll tell you this one experience, which is just so incredible, we had this uh, buddy of ours we rode with, and uh, he had, as a lot of bikers do, he had this vest that was covered with pins, and bikers will put these pins on their vests, and they may be political slogans or pins from rallies or whatever, and so he had this vest that was absolutely, totally covered with these pins, and we would race down the road at high speed and my pens would always fly off and I'd pay $10 for a really pretty pen. And there it goes down the highway. And so I asked this buddy of mine, I said, uh, how come your pens never fly off, man? And he said, because I super glue the back. <laughs> and so he, uh, he died at a very young age. And um, he began to immediately communicate to us from the other side. Really? In very, very dramatic ways. And one of the most mind-blowing things that happened, one of the crew that we all rode with called me one day and said, hey, said uh, I'm, I'm going to go someplace and uh, do this, look at this thing, and then uh, we'll, we'll go out to uh, one of our favorite watering holes and have a beer. And uh, I said, yeah, I said, I'll go with you. So we did and got to the watering hole where we all used to hang out. And we parked our bikes, and we were standing out there and we kind of sit down, leaned against our bikes, just talking before we went in. And from his vest, the pins begin to pop off of his vest and fly four, five, six feet. And the retainers inside that held the pins in place from inside the vest begin to fly out of his vest and travel five, ten feet flying at these bizarre angles and and it's super speed and this just kept happening and kept happening. And he was like, what in God's name, what in the world is going on? I said, it's Vic. I said, it's our buddy from the other side because he was so involved with these pins and he's popping these pins off to show us that he's, that he's here. And he said, must be, that's the only thing I can figure. So he runs around picking up all his, his pins and backs from off the ground and getting them back on his vest. And so we get a beer and we're going to sit over in the, um, outside there on a bench and we're talking, drinking our beers. And we'd start talking about Vic again. And he was uh-huh. talking about some of the communications that he had received and other people had received. And as we're talking about Vic, all of his pins start flying off his vest again. The wow. backs are flying out from the inside again.
0: <laughs> That's so, incredible.
1: Yeah, that was. He that. wanted to make
0: sure you guys knew he was around.
1: Yeah. He wanted to make sure that, that he knew that he was keeping track of us, that he was there. And uh, he communicated a lot of other really incredible things after he crossed over. And I write about some of that in my book as well.
0: Oh, my God. that! And Now, you're working on another book for this year. Is that correct?
1: Got another one coming out, hopefully, September, October. This one is uh, 20 Ways to Increase Your Psychic Abilities. Really? And oh, okay. There will be 20 chapters, one technique per chapter. For example, the first chapter is on psychometry. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to have any psychic experience or expertise or anything else. I'll take you by the hand, lead you step by step. I define what every technique is. And then I tell you how to begin to learn it, how to practice it, how to get good at it. And then Mm -hmm. the real world application of it. So that it's not just a parlor trick. You know, it has a real world application that does you some good. So there will be 20 techniques. And that that book, I'm about halfway through now. So hopefully it'll be out uh, September, October this year.
0: Oh, that is excellent. Because you know what? Um, I think, you know, you know, like when Houdini, you know, was busting psychics back in the twenties and things like that, because it's almost like one of those, like you said, that they're desperate to believe, but the flip side of it is, you know, while they're saying, uh, you know, all the psychics are frauds, they're desperately trying to look for a reason to believe. Exactly. Um, I tell everybody, you know what? I think like what you said, that there's people out there that that aren't psychic or that they, but there's some that um, they'll realize that sometimes this is like uh, the supernatural is not an on-demand thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I always tell my producer, I said, you can't make an appointment with a UFO.
0: (laughs) That's great. That's fantastic. By the way, have you had UFO encounters? Because Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. I've had several. Really? uh, Yeah. Several. And the first one, um, when I was between 18 and 20, I was uh-huh. reading professionally and I had all these uh, physical paranormal experiences, but I did not believe in UFOs. I did not believe they existed. And I had read the books. I'd read the magazine articles. I'd seen the interviews and I was like, nope, 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 I ain't buying it. Don't believe it. And, uh, I was, this was back in Texas where I grew up and uh-huh. I was at this, uh, this building. I had my car parked and it was, um, Oh, a narrow two lane street. And the car was parked in a parking lot. When I exited the building, I could look across the street, see my car in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. And I came out and the first thing that hits me in the face is this big blast of wind. And I looked up and it's overcast and, and I thought, okay, well, this is West Texas. So we're used to tornadoes and bad thunderstorms and all this, all kinds of bad weather. And so I thought, oh boy, here we go. So I better run for my car before the, the weather really hits and so I look across the street towards my car and this cloud, this column shaped cloud attached to the clouds above has come down and is resting in the parking lot, touching the parking lot by my car.
0: <laughs> You're like,
1: oh. And it's kind of rolling and rolling and, and churning, but it's holding its shape. And then as I'm watching it, These orbs, a little bit smaller than a a basketball, I guess maybe a soccer ball size, these orbs exude from the cloud, come out from the cloud, and then they recede back into it and disappear all up and down the length of the cloud. And they're translucent, and they're red, and they're yellow, and they're orange, and they're green, and they're blue, glowing really brightly. So I'm looking at this, and Marlene, I swear to God, I said, okay, I've gone nuts. I'm young and I think I'm reasonably healthy, but I've lost the farm. I, I, I'm hallucinating. <laughs> that's, and I swear yeah. to you, my thought was I'm going to go. And when this episode is over, I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to go to the hospital, have them check me out. <laughs> and as I'm standing there looking at this thing, I notice another weird thing. And that's down in the parking lot. There's some debris, papers, paper cups and stuff down there. And so with this thing swirling and rolling around, The debris should be circling around, being blown around. The debris is perfectly still by this cloud. And then I get this really bizarre urge, and it's like, walk toward the cloud. And I'm like, well, okay, I've gone nuts. Why not? So I walk toward the cloud, and the cloud advances toward me in the parking lot, still staying on the ground. I stop, and it stops. I back up, and it backs up. I do that a few times. And I'm standing back up by the building and where the door is. And this buddy of mine comes out, whacks me in the back with a door and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry, but what are you doing? Standing up close to the door. And then he looks up at the sky and he says, Oh, wow, looks like we're in for it. Huh? And then he looks across at the parking lot and he goes, what in the world is that? I go, Oh, thank God. I'm not nuts.
0: <laughs> it's not just me. <laughs> it's not just me.
1: And I said, watch this. And I walked over the cloud and it, comes toward me, and I stop, and it stops, I back up, it backs up, I do that a few times, I look over at him, and I said, isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever seen, he looks to me like, I'm the weirdest thing he's ever seen, he says, bye, and he's, <laughs> he dead, it scares the life out of him, so he's gone, so I stand there a little bit more, and I'm like, okay, what do I do now, and the cloud sucks back up into the clouds above, starts moving over, and I'm like, okay, I make a run for my car, I get in there, I'm like, what in God's name was that? So I start my car, get out, start going. I know this town like the back of my hand, literally still do to this day, even though I don't live there. And we had this Sears Roebuck store on Beauregard Street, and behind the street was Two Wig, and the Sears store had an automotive uh, shop back there and a great big parking lot in the back, and then parking on the front on on the uh, angle parking on Beauregard Street. So as I'm pulling out, I'm going up Chadburn, and uh, towards Boer Garden, towards Tuvig, and it begins to rain. Now, this is not one of those everything's bigger in Texas stories. I mean, in uh-huh. Texas, it rain. in 20 minutes, it'll flood your yard or flood an underpass so bad you can't go under it. So I'm used to these heavy rains. I'm used to these weird weather things. Okay. But this rain comes down, and I cannot see one foot past the hood of my car. I've got my headlights on. I've got the wipers on high. They're doing absolutely no good. I can't see the cars that are angle parked at the side of the street. I have like okay. zero visibility and I'm starting to panic. I'm like, I'm going to side swipe one of these cars. It's angle parked. Right. Over. I'm going to hit somebody in front of me. Somebody's going to hit me. I mean, I literally cannot see more than a foot past the hood of my car. And I'm coming up on this, on what I've counted the streets. I know I'm coming up on two street. And I think if I can somehow get around the corner, get in this parking lot, I'll get soaked, I don't care, I'm going to park, I'm going to jump out, run in, I'll go downstairs, look at the sporting goods, the storm will pass, then when it's safe to drive, I'll, I'll go home. So I almost hit this car in front of me, I look up, and I see this little bitty, teeny tiny red pinprick of a glow, and I realize that's the red stoplight, and okay. I nearly hit this car in front of me, because I'm right on its bumper before I see it, and the car behind me nearly hits me, and I'm like, my God, this is crazy. So the light changes, the guy pokes around the corner. I poke around on him trying to keep my headlights, you know, shining off reflecting off his bumper. So I can kind of tell where I'm at and we're going like maybe two or three miles an hour. we can't see, I mean, the rain is that heavy. Literally, you can't see the cars that are angled parked out the passenger window. You can't see more than a a foot in front of you and and uh, off the hood of the car. So, we're driving along like that and I'm leaning over trying to see where the cars are angled parked so that I don't scrape them while I'm trying to keep an eye on the, the guy in front of me. Okay. And right now there's no more running. It doesn't slack off. It doesn't ease off. It's just one second before I cannot see a foot past the hood of my car. The next second there's no running. And I'm sitting there like, what in God's name? I can see it's still overcast, but there's no rain. And I can see all the way down the street in my rearview mirror. I can see out both sides. I can see all the way in front of me. And I reach up, shut the windshield wipers off. There's not even a mist, not even a, a drop of water hitting the windshield. And I'm like, what in God's name is this all about? And then about this time, people in the other lane start swerving into our lane and almost hitting cars. And people are honking and yelling. And I'm like, what in God's name is going on? We've all gone mad. And people are jumping out of their cars and pointing up to the sky. And people are rolling down their windows and pointing out of their cars. And I look where they're pointing. And we're close enough to the Sears parking lot. You can see the entrance. You can see the, the rear of the Sears store. And hovering over the rear of the Sears store, about maybe 30 feet in the air, is this silver metallic UFO? This shiny disc about... 30.
0: Oh my God! So everybody is wigging out because they're seeing this thing.
1: They're seeing this thing, and they... I look over, and there it is, just hovering over the store. No flame, no smoke, no sound, no noise. Just hovering there. And I literally did a cartoon eye rub because I didn't believe my own eyes. And I look back up. Sure enough, it's there. So now I have to switch religions, right? Because there's the proof. There the damn thing is. So I have to believe it now because there the thing is. So I think, well, I'll get out of my car, get a better look. And so I reach for my door handle and the UFO just barely, barely perceptively moves toward us. And as it does, the low clouds come from behind it, covered up. The second the clouds covered up, the rain is back in the same full force it was before. Doesn't start again. It's just instantly there in the same. So place. this
0: thing can manipulate weather. Yeah, at least you know that little area. So that's what it sounds I, like.
1: I uh, follow the guy in front of me, and I said that this. He starts turning in the parking lot, and I said at this point I don't care if I hit him or not. My insurance will cover it. I don't care.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I'm, I'm going to talk to this guy. So he gets out, runs into the store. I jump out. The rain is coming down so hard it hurts. I'm shielding my eyes. I run in there, get into the store. There's a little vestibule, and there's. Uh, You know, a couple of doors that lead into the store and then the stairs down to the basement. There's this big map. You dry your feet on everything once you get inside. So he's standing there just staring down at the floor. And I remember he wore glasses. I didn't at the time. And his glasses were all beaded with water. We're both dripping water like we just came out of the shower. And uh, I walked around, stood in front of him, took a little bit for him to recognize I was there. And he looked up at me and I said, excuse me, but did you see what I just saw? And he said, yeah, but I damn sure ain't going to tell nobody. And he sidestepped me and walked off through the store. And mm-hmm. back then you have to realize this is probably around the 70s, somewhere around in there. And you, you just didn't talk about things like that, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Like, it was you like. Lose
1: your job, People made fun of you. They said you were crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that was my introduction to, to UFOs, to learning that they were. What really an
0: introduction. Objects.
1: And uh, I had to, like I say, I had to switch denominations, I had to acknowledge the fact that they're real. And since then, I've had several more experiences
0: that is incredible where other people witnessed it yeah and that thing that the basically was manipulating the rainfall because it went from that's that's i can't and and you're right people don't realize that that back then that a lot of people they just would like be quiet and i'm not ever going to talk about that again
1: yeah yeah exactly right and especially in west texas you know you you uh, West Texas was was kind of notorious for making fun of people that believed in pet the paranormal or believed in UFOs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it yeah. was, but you know that was that was a life changing experience for me. And then, like I say, I've had several since. I don't know who they are. I don't know what their purpose is. I don't know what their their uh, their aim or their goal or or whatever it is. But I've had several more experiences since then. That is, you know,
0: because the. That's in other words, what you're describing is um that encounter where, you know, you can't mistake it. You know, there's people that see lights in the sky and then they can they can debate back and forth. Well, was right. it this? Was it all? But what you described is like there's no mistaking what you saw. No this mistaking not- it's
1: it's not open for debate. It's like it was exactly. in the presence of witnesses, daylight sighting, up close. <laughs> there it is. Uh, there's there's just no no debating it. It wasn't a plane, it wasn't a helicopter, exactly. wasn't a balloon, it was like you know, we've got clear eyes on the thing. and, and uh,
0: Right. It's like, and, and, and I can imagine, I hate to say, it, but it must be such a relief when you realize there's other people that are seeing this, not just you.
1: It was because I, I was just like, this, this can't be. Like I say, I literally rubbed my eyes. It was like I just I couldn't believe my own vision. But all these people had seen it first and were responding to it and reacting to it and still were as uh, as I finally saw it. And uh, so that was like, okay, we've gotta gotta acknowledge they're here.
0: have you Have you had encounters, not just with seeing a spacecraft or a UFO? Have you ever seen any type of extraterrestrial?
1: I haven't. Uh, I, okay. I would hope to, but I haven't. I've seen a lot of of strange things and a lot of weird things, but uh, mm-hmm. nothing that uh, nothing that I would describe as uh, as an extraterrestrial entity. Okay,
0: okay. John, for my podcast listeners, what is your website address?
1: Uh, Johnrussell.net, and that will get you information on me and my readings if you want a reading. Uh, My other websites, I've got one for my each book. It's writingwithghosts.net and a knockintheattic.net, and those books are all available at Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, and a lot of other places online as well.
0: Okay, and then you'll put out, like you said, you're working on your other book, Right. Which I think it was is great because I know there's a lot of people that, you know, I th- you know what? It's really funny because I tell everybody, you know, there's a lot of people that late in life, they de- decide to develop their psychic abilities. Because everybody yeah. thinks sometimes it's like, oh, when you're young, because they hear about people like yourself. But I right. said, you know what? There's people that go through their whole life. And you said there's either because of family or work or whatever. There's kind of a little bit of a stigma attached or they're too busy. Exactly. Life gets yeah. in the way. Yeah. And all of a sudden. Yeah. Their, their kids grow up, you know, or they're, they're tired, or they, that, that, that mm-hmm. job where it was like, I don't want to be that person. None of those right. things are in place. So they finally decide I'm going to start developing my psychicness, you know, because right. Right. all those things that were holding me back
1: are before, out of the way Yeah.
0: Not there anymore. Exactly I'm not right. gonna get. I'm not gonna get a weird look at work because I don't work there anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> My kid, you know, life gets in the way. Let's face it. So you have <laughs> children running around. You've got work and all that multitasking. Some of, once those things are out of the way, I've heard of a lot of people that they know they have that ability, but yeah. they put on the back burner. And then and when they
1: decide to develop it, they really don't know how. And right. so that's another reason I wanted to write this book. I wanted to get away from the rigmarole, mm-hmm. the dogma, all this stuff. Like, right. Okay, you gotta learn this. right. Here's the the bare bones cut and dried. Let's make it as easy as possible. Let's get down to the nitty gritty of what works. And here it is. I'm going to teach you how to do it, teach you how to get good at it, and teach you the real world application of it. So exactly. I think it's going to be a helpful book for a lot of people.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to have a link to your website on the credits of the show John, but again, I want to thank you. It's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. It's fascinating.
1: I I appreciate it so much. I've enjoyed it immensely. And uh, we'll do it again down the road.
0: Absolutely. And I wish you the best of luck on that new project. But until then, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. This is so interesting. You know, when you talk to somebody like John... Who has been, you know what? I wasn't faking it when I got all excited when he said, I've been doing this for 50 years. Well, that was part of his bio. 50 years is in anything in life, like psychic. If you're a housewife, if you're a gardener, if you're a carpenter, whatever it is. Okay. And and, and I've made this um, comparison also, even for people that do psychic work or paranormal investigations and or whatever. You can read all the books you want. You can watch all the TV shows you want. You can listen to stories. Nothing, nothing, nothing ever replaces field work. Field work, as in the doing it. You know, uh, whether in his case, you like he says, you learn things along the way that there's no book that's going to prepare you, okay? Or circumstance. It's till you're there that you, and then you, um, how can I say? You you develop your style. The same thing with uh you know paranormal work you know you say you do the field work there's a lot of investigations that tend to end up being really boring either because there's nothing there somebody's got a great imagination or whatever's there is not showing up and after a while you know but nothing can ever replace um all of that so when when you see somebody like him that's done this work for 50 years he's probably had for lack of a better word has fine-tuned himself as far as readings and psychic impressions. And, you know, uh, you know, whether he's clear audience or what, what he sees, well, it sounds like he does everything to interpret Because if you talk to a lot of, of psychics and mediums, they'll tell you, sometimes they get information uh, symbolically they'll say, Oh, well I see pink roses and this means this and this, you know, if I see this this, or if I feel that, whatever. Okay when you've done this for as many years as he does there is you your vocabulary of symbols if that's how it is or clear audience well in that case like what he said i'm going to take this girl with me in two weeks there was no symbolism there he actually heard it that's what i'm saying there's clear audience there you know that's it your your vocabulary first of all from the other side's got to be extensive and there's no what, what was it this or was it that or mm-hmm. You know, because that's it. You've heard it all. You've seen it all. You've been around the block a few times. More than that, really. And same thing. You know, when maybe uh, that he described that that scenario where uh, there's this young lady who is got a very serious illness, and everybody in that town is saying a miracle's going to happen, and our prayers are going to save her. And of course, he's young. I don't blame him. Absolutely not at all. Well, he goes there and he realizes after what he hears, she's not going to make it, okay? And he just does not know how to tell this mom, uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you, contrary to what everything, all this hope that you have in your heart, contrary to what you've heard from all these people, the church, everybody in town, is that, no, she, she's not meant to survive. That's a difficult thing to do. And By the way, the way he handled it was pretty good considering his age. When you're, um, let me tell you something, you'd be surprised. A lot of people sometimes will go to people for readings. Let's, let's, let's take the, 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 the communication with the other side. We'll, they will go, they'll go to do readings, tarot, whatever, you know, whatever the method is. Uh, basically sometimes one of two things to confirm or deny what they really know inside of themselves in their heart. Okay. Because subconsciously they know a lot of things and they're hoping that this person is going to tell me what I know. Tell me it's not what I know it is. How's that? Okay. Tell me or how, how can I, let, let's give it a, for instance, let's, let's go the, the love romance. You know, maybe you're the person that you're with, you know, that they're being unfaithful or that they don't feel free the same way. And you maybe go to somebody to do a reading for them to tell you you're imagining things or you're wrong, or this person is still deeply in love with you or that relationship is going to last. And then let me tell you something that puts a psychic reader. It's somebody with a lot of experience would know how to handle a situation where they have to end up telling this person what they know is not really what they want to hear. You know, that's not saying it's not what you want. It's what you need. It takes a reader, somebody like a John with a lot of years under their belt that knows different personality styles and how to handle and give the the appropriate answer while still being true to their gifts all right for example how do you tell somebody like i said subconsciously people they don't they, they don't want to admit to it but something's got to be triggering their suspicions or their belief that maybe and in some cases in some cases, you do have people that are very suspicious and jealous by nature, and they imagine things that are not there. But a lot of times they, how can I say it, they, they suspect infidelity or they fear it, or maybe their own, uh, let's say they've, they've, they're they one of these really jealous types, right? And basically, they've driven this other person to like, ah, well, this person might not be unfaithful, but is like they've withdrawn Maybe the feelings are not the same because it's like, I can't handle this. You know, I'm being a good spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it is. And I can't do, I can't make it work. You know, whatever's you're driving me crazy. And they immediately pick up on a subconscious level that something's changed. Now, sometimes they're realistic. No, no, no. Let me take that back. A lot of times they're not realistic that they're the ones that are driving that behavior or They got together with somebody that they knew from the beginning, with somebody that was, uh, man, you're like really hot, but I know that you're not the faithful type. But let's say here you are, you go to a reading with a John, and you're, this person's hoping to hear, no, this person's still, you know, highly in love with you and you will be together forever and ever. How do you tell this person, even though you're doing a reading, let's say it's a tarot reading, to tell them no, you know what? You're, what you're suspecting is right and that's another thing. People don't realize you know there's people can be very hot-headed. you know how do you tell somebody I'm gonna confirm those suspicions that you have that your partner is not being faithful to you that you got to be real careful with those scenarios like and how do you tell this person so that they don't like run out run out of the room and go confront their partner or worse in some cases depending on what we're talking about the personality style. Is it somebody that maybe mentally they're not wrapped too tight that you tell them, yeah, I'm confirming that, yeah, because I know that that cheating no good, da 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 da. Yeah, you're right. You got to be careful. That's why getting a reading from somebody like him who probably knows how to phrase it just right to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. That helps a lot. Anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. Remember, go to dot Chronicles.com. There, you're gonna find all the links to all the videos, all the podcasts of any of the series I have, which is this, like this one, Stories of the Supernatural or Nightshade Diary, or uh Supernatural Storytime. I've got eerie dot news, not eerienews.com, it's eerie.news on there. Like every three days, I do a video and a podcast version of just weird news. And I also write articles. But the best thing also is to get on my Substack newsletter. Again, you can find a sign up on um, on MP you can also go to mppelliser.com. com. You can find links there. Also the books. I'm working on a book. I'm looking I'm working on one of my Civil Chronicles book. Which I'm hoping will be out in 2022, because believe it or not, um, for those of you who have been following me from before, once I took on this extra podcast for the news, for weird paranormal news, that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. There's a lot of weird news, but some of them it's just like, eh, it's interesting, but not really interesting. You know, to pick stuff that's, that's way out there, but, you know, relevant to what's going on today. So again, guys, please, wh- wherever you find the show, whatever show you like, please subscribe, like it, whatever, again, ways to get notifications of when I release a new show. So that way, you know, uh, you're there. And again, I want to let you know how much I appreciate you as being part of my audience. And I think you are all absolutely wonderful. Till next time, take care.